Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risser, along with Justin D'Onofrio. And we got another busy show today. I mean, the Lakers just won the NBA championship. We got the baseball playoffs in full swing. And uh, and uh, college football is in full swing as well. We got a big top five match. But we got to start in the NFL. We got to start last night with the uh, Tennessee Titans beating the Buffalo Bills 42 to 16. And last night, the Titans, I mean, Josh Allen didn't play his best game. There were two big interceptions. Those, those were two huge interceptions to start the game. Yes, you could. Part of it you could put on, uh, on Andrea, Andre Roberts. The other one was definitely on him that, that got returned to Buffalo's 12 yard line. So Josh Allen struggled last night. He didn't look like a top five quarterback. Still definitely a top 10 quarterback. The way, the way he, he converts on third down, he's still great on third down, but the turnovers, I think keep him out of the top five. I, and uh, if you look at Ryan Tannehill, he played really well last night. Even though the Titans had short fields, they took advantage of it. Tannehill played a, a really good game. He's been really, really good for the Titans ever since he took over for Mariota in the middle of the season last year. The Titans, uh, defensively, they, they uh, shut down the run. They shut down Devin Singletary. Just a dominant performance for a team that had, you know, had pretty much didn't practice for two weeks. And you look at the Bills, it's not an excuse, but still – you know, they had to kind of prepare for two teams. It was kind of a fluid situation this week. So last night, Titans were dominant. And you you could say that they're they're definitely a Super Bowl contender in the AFC. Yeah, definitely. Um, they kind of set the tone right from that first interception a minute into it. And you could see, you know, I know they weren't able to practice a lot the last few weeks, but you could see they they, you know, they watched a lot of films on this Bills team and they you know again had a great scout report for the Axes. They they absolutely dominated them. And then, you know, when you talk about Tannehill, his highest QBR of his, you know, NFL career with the nine, you know, was a 97 last night. So, um, you know, he was great again, but you know, when you have Henry in that backfield, it just makes things so much easier. And they were the first team since the 2007, um, since 2007, um, when it was New England. So they're the first team to score all, Six touchdowns, or yeah, score six touchdowns on all six of the red zone trips. Not allow a sack and not allow you know a turnover. Um, it was just a complete dominant effort for them, and they they definitely looked good and they didn't really miss a beat. Why the Bills too? You could kind of see the Bills just a lot of um, just uncharacteristic mistakes, a lot of penalties, a couple you know offsides, false starts. You could see it was a team that you know. Had a couple, looked like they had a couple weeks off here. Oh yeah, they def they definitely were rusty last night. I mean Josh Allen, but the rest of the team was. You know they couldn't run the ball. They they had trouble protecting them uh, defensively. Yeah, defensively they weren't terrible, but still they struggled there too. Uh, just was just all around. I mean a lot of people were considering the Bills. You know with their four zero start, maybe the second best team in the AFC. They definitely proved this week that they're not there. And them and the Patriots are even are pretty close. You could even argue the Patriots might be better than them. Yeah, you know, um, I know they played a couple of weeks would be interested. You know, they last night, yeah, you did see a lot of flaws in that Bills team. And, you know, now, now you got KC, obviously, next week. But, you know, yeah, this, we're going to find out a lot about the Bills the next two weeks. I think, you know, if the Pats are healthy and they, they play like they did Seattle, you know, I think, yeah, them and the Bills are going to be right there and it'll be a battle for the AFC East. Oh yeah, I, I, def, I definitely could see that. And uh, you look at the Titans. I mean, 
arguably right now, as, we, as I said earlier, they, they very easily could be Super Bowl contenders. I think you can make an argument they're a top three team in the AFC, maybe even a top two team. I mean, yes, their defense played a lot better, I think a lot better last night than it did the first three weeks. I think they stopped the run. That was the big key. I'd like to see a little bit more of a pass rush from them. They, they As you saw last night, they were one of the worst teams getting off the field on third down. They need to improve on that. But the way Tannehill's playing, A.J. Brown last night really shows you when he's there, their offense is really good. You saw, obviously, Derrick Henry, uh, you know, <laughs> shoving Josh Norman right to the ground uh, he's one of the top running backs in the, in the league so if you look at the titans right now i mean I'm, I'm looking at them as a top three team in the afc i i don't yeah um i'm with you there um that derrick henry is a linebacker playing running back and i th- you know i think they're right there with the chiefs and they're definitely right there with the chiefs and um ravens i you know and i think they could you know they're it's you know if the chiefs defense you know Play they did last week. I think they're the number two team, but um, th- this is a really good team. I know, you know, like Clowney did time a stack. If they can get him going and kind of get that pass rush going, it- it's going to be a really, really dangerous team. But yeah, they're they're right there. They could they could they got a shot to get back to that AFC Championship game in a Super Bowl. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So just because the Bills played last night, we're going to talk about the team the Bills are going to play Monday night, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think that's going to be a really exciting game between these two teams. It's a Monday night game. I think it's going to be really, really, really exciting. And uh, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to go back and forth between both teams. I could see, you know, Josh Allen putting up a big game, Devin Singletary playing well, Stephon Diggs playing well. But on the other side, Here's the thing about Buffalo. Their defense just has they, – they've definitely missed Tredavious White last night. Their defense has not been as good as people expect it to be. I think Patrick Mahomes is a huge, huge, huge game against this Buffalo Bills defense. And, and I think that the, the Chiefs win it. And I think they win it. I'm, I'm going uh, 35-31 Chiefs over the Bills. I got the I got the Chiefs winning 20-24 bounce back week for them. And for the Chiefs, um, I think they, re- they ended up really missing Watkins last week. Their offense kind of got out of sync. When he got hurt last week against the Raiders, it's the first time Mahomes lost a regular season game by more than seven points. Um, the Raiders pretty much figured out, you know, used the formula to beat them, just keep their offense off the field. At one point, they had 18 yards in the second, in the I think early in the fourth quarter, late third quarter. So, um, and for the Bills, just um, bounce back week. It's a, it's a, you know, I guess they do. They still have six days. They have one more that tight end, but but it's a weird week. Um, this should be a good one, but I should get it on the road. Alrighty, so uh, before we get in, in, into most of the games, we're going to talk about some of the, one thing that happened on Sunday, and that's Dak Prescott, and just a really, really, really devastating, devastating injury from Dak Prescott on, on Sunday. I was watching that game, obviously, because I'm a Giants fan. And even as a Giants fan, you feel so bad for Dak Prescott. All the hard work he's put in. The last years have been his best two seasons, and then he ends up, you know, breaking his ankle. Really, he got carted off the field. Just really, really ugly injury. Really sad, sad injury for Dak Prescott. And I, and I hope he's doing well. And uh, if, for the Cowboys, I know, I know there's the question of should you pay Dak? Should you not pay Dak? But I, I think at this point, I, I feel like Jerry and Steven got to do the right thing, and they got to pay Dak Prescott. I know the game's coming. The, the coming games could tell maybe the Cowboys have success. Maybe they think about it, but honestly, I think the Cowboys got to, got to pay Dak Prescott. Steven Jones said uh, a couple of days ago, he is our future. And I think there's no doubt you got to pay Dak. Yeah. You know, that was such a devastating injury. Such a tough thing to watch. And he's a guy too, that you could cheer, you know, root for, you know, he's a good guy, you know, done nothing wrong. It's been a tough year for him. Everything he's gone through. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I kind of was a guy like, you know, 
maybe not 40 or, you know, 35. I kind of feel, you know, I, I think you definitely do have to pay him. You know, he, what, over 5,000 yards. I know they've been playing for behind, but, you know, he's in, he was playing so well this year. I know he's made a couple mistakes late in the game. But, yeah, I, I think you definitely have to – you got to pay him at this point. It, it looked pretty bad for the Cowboys if you – this is how you let these Cowboys send your end right here. Absolutely, absolutely, and you and you saw, you know, the, 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 it really affected the whole team. And if you just don't, if you, if you don't pay this guy, I feel like that's inexcusable of Jerry, of Jerry and Stephen Jones. You saw how much it hurt the team. You got to take the human element into it too. He's good enough to get it paid what he deserves. And and I feel like, yeah, if it is thirty five to forty million million dollars a year, you, you got to pay him. You look at the numbers, even the numbers he put up puts up. He doesn't play defense. That defense is absolutely terrible. I feel like you know this is definitely a guy. That, that it should that, that that should get paid and and yeah the coming games are going to determine it but you definitely should be getting I'd say thirty five to forty million forty million a year yeah I, I I'd probably go closer towards thirty five and forty because you know he hasn't great we haven't seen a ton of playoff success from him yet but yeah you, you definitely have to it, it totally looked bad from the Joneses if they just if they let him walk and this is how they end it um it'd be terrible and he's such a Big, you know, he's such he's one of the leaders, um, and just in that locker room, and yeah, obviously you could tell that Sunday. So yeah, you you lose a big leader in that locker room next year if for some odd reason they don't pay him. Now going, we talked about the other Monday night game, the early Monday night game next week. Well, the Cowboys do play in the second Monday night game next week against the Arizona Cardinals. And don't forget with the Cardinals, they had a big injury too today. They lost Chandler Jones for the season as well. So that's that's a big injury for them. Again, then that's a defense that's been struggling. Isaiah Simmons has not lived up to potential. Patrick Peterson's passed his prime. So that's a big loss for that defense because that's a defense that's been struggling. But looking at this game, I think Kyler Murray plays well in his return to Dallas. I think he has a big game on the ground and through the air. I think DeAndre Hopkins has a big game. I think Kenyon Drake runs the ball well and for the Cowboys I do think that Ezekiel Elliott has a good game and I think do think Andy Dalton has a pretty good game I think I think this game he plays pretty well against this defense the first game the first game the Cardinals defense won't have Chandler Jones I think the Cowboys moved the ball but in the end I got the car I got the better quarterback win and I get the Cardinals beating the Cowboys 31-24 on Monday night yeah I got Arizona going on the road 34-24 over Dallas um or yeah 34-27 actually never mind um I mistake. But yeah, I think for Arizona, yeah, losing Chandler, well, I think he led the league last year in sacks. He did not with nineteen and a half. He did. 19, yeah, so you, you know, you take that out. That pass rush is is tough loss and thirty Wednesday this week. So um, we'll see how they can game point against it. They, you know, Arizona looked good last week against the Jets, but I mean, anyone could look good against the Jets. Yeah, they, they could. And Joe Flacco um, at quarterback, but I think yeah, Dalton's gonna have to. to some success. I think they got to start giving Elliott the ball more. I know they've been behind, but if they can kind of keep it close or get out in front, give the, you know, establish a running game with Elliott. And if they can do that, Dallas has a chance to win if they can keep it out of Murray's hands. And they did a good job of that against the Giants, especially when they got down 17 3. They started to go back to their bread and butter, and that, and that helped, and that helped, and that turned that game around when they had that big drive to get that touchdown. Yeah, it did. It, it cause it, then it just opened up play action. It, instead of just dropping back, you know, 45, 50 times that they've been doing. So, yeah, um, they definitely got to play out from in front, and it makes them a lot tougher to defend.
Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll go to the team the Cardinals played last week, and we got big news with them. We'll talk about the Jets and them releasing uh, Le'Veon Bell, and this is just another move that just doesn't really make a lot of sense for the Jets. I mean, yes, the guy is not that has not been as good, especially he's not been the player he was in Pittsburgh. But let, let's realize the offensive line hasn't been good, and another and, and another thing is is you traded him and you got, and you know, you, you released him and you got nothing, you got absolutely nothing for him. You could have gotten a, a fourth or fifth round pick for Le'Veon Bell. It makes absolutely no sense why the Jets would just release him. I mean, and, and, and it all started with like with him and Adam Gase. You know, he was unhappy with the Jets and obviously he should be unhappy with the Jets. I mean, the Jets are just an absolute train wreck of an organization. And it's just, it's, it's, it's an embarrassment. And I, listen, Le'Veon Bell is not the player he once was, but I still think he can make an impact in this league. He definitely could, and I did. I did see the Jets could not even get a late round pick for him. I guess they have until four today to try to still trade him, but I, you know, I, um, but and I don't know, you know, you remember he called out Jamal Adams, um, you know, when he got traded, and he pretty much did the same thing, kind of calling out the coaches, calling out Adam Gase the other day. Um, he pretty much did the same thing, but yeah, you know, it, they never used him right, and I know Gase didn't want him. From the beginning, I know he took over the job after they already signed Bell, but yeah, you know they never really gave him a chance, you know, because I he could have been a sign, you know, a you know he could have been a big help for this offense, which does not have much right now at all. Besides, you know, maybe James Crowder's had their best weapon now. It, it's just it's just a jest, and I can't believe Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams are gone before Adam Gase is. Yeah, that's what makes no sense. Adam Gase should have been fired after week four. It's absolutely—I don't get why he wasn't fired after week four. The team has has pretty much quit on him. The team hasn't practiced hard. You've heard players say that Dexter McDougal and Avery Williamson—they've already said the team hasn't practiced hard for Adam Gase. I—I I, I don't get why Adam Gase is still employed. I, I honestly, as a head coach, I just don't get it at all. He should—he should easily be fired. I, I don't get that at all. And you look at possible uh, landing spots for Le'Veon Bell. One of them is obviously the Chicago Bears. I think that would be a really good spot. David Montgomery really hasn't gotten the job done for them. They lost Tariq Cohen for the season. For the season, this is a this is a guy that could this is a guy that could that could be in the backfield with David Montgomery. He could also catch balls out of the backfield. He can improve that Chicago running game. And Chicago with four and one has a very good shot to be a playoff team. Definitely to get one of those wild cards. Another team, the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, yes, they do have. Uh, Kenyon Drake and uh, Chase Edmonds, but some of those guys have been, those. Some of those guys are inconsistent. Yeah, they ran the ball well against the Jets, but anybody can run the ball well against the Jets. I mean, if you bring in Le'Veon Bell, I think he improves depth to that backfield, and that's going to help Kyler Murray off play action and help the Cardinals try to get one of one of those playoff spots as well. Another team is the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Now they're one and four, but I think he could definitely help them be in that because Austin Eckler's out, and he could be in that backfield with Joshua Kelly. And you saw Justin Herbert the other night. Justin Herbert is, I think, going to be a really, really good quarterback in this league. He looks, he looks, he looks great. Even though the Chargers have lost games due to coaching and them not being able to make a field goal at the end of the game, uh, Justin Herbert looks like he's the real deal. So if they want to stay in that playoff race, I think this this could be a signing that, that that could help the Chargers. And the last team is the Buffalo Bills. Last night, Devin Singletary, Zach, Zach Moss has been hurt. Devin Singletary really didn't get the job done on the ground, which didn't help Josh Allen last night. I think in a, getting Bell there to improve that depth that really could help them as well yeah um i you know i think you know the bears i think would probably be the best spot i think just because now it really would help out nick Foles as well um and i think it would open up the passing game which you know they haven't been great with 
in the last few years, it, you know, um, I also put, well, I also, again, maybe this is my Patriot kind of bias, but I would love to see him go to New England. Just, and I know, you know, because Michelle's banged up. I know Damian Harris has looked good. Rex Burkhead's looked look pretty good so far. Um, but I think with him and Cam and um, what they'd be able to do, I would love to see that fit. I know, I think they may, I don't think they, I don't remember if they, you know, I don't think they ever talked to him when he was in free agency. I, it seems like one of these pickups that Phil would, you know, is definitely thinking about. And Le'Veon would get to play the Jets uh, twice this year. Uh, for the for, for the Patriots, Patriots, yeah, it'd be twice. Bills would only be once. Yeah, because they already yeah. played him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, I, I would, you know, I would love to see him be a Patriot. I think it would really and give us another offensive weapon because we really do not have a ton of those guys right now. Oh, absolutely. And don't forget, Bell averaged four point six yards a carry. He was perp for three of the four three of the four games, and he came back last Sunday and he, he averaged four point six yards a carry. So he still has, he's not the player he was in Pittsburgh, but he definitely has some has a little bit left in the tank. He, he definitely does, and because they, the way the Jets use him too, they didn't really, you know, give gave him a ton of carries. They didn't really wear him down, or um, so so yeah, he definitely still's got a lot of you know, kind of you know, he's still yeah, he's definitely got um a lot left in the tank. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what ends up happening with Le'Veon Bell. But we'll move to another story in the league and what what happened on Sunday after the Falcons twenty three to sixteen loss to the Panthers, they end up finally firing head coach Dan Quinn and uh, GM Thomas Dimitrioff and Thomas Dimitrioff. He's came from the Patriots. He's been there for, since Matt Ryan's been drafted. He was the guy who drafted Matt Ryan. And then uh, they obviously hire Raheem Morris to be the interim head coach. He was a head coach in Tampa Bay uh, for three years too. So, uh, and, and this was, this was about, this should have, it should have happened. No, this is where people, this is where people get this wrong. This should not have happened after the Super Bowl. I think that's a complete exaggeration. The guy gets the, guy, the team to the Super Bowl. He shouldn't get fired. Even though he blew a 28 to three lead, there's no way he should get fired. When this should have happened was in the middle of the season last year when they started one and seven or at the end of the year last year. Even the, what, what saved his job last year is they went six and two down the stretch and they played better down the stretch. But that was fool's gold because the team has, st- has started uh, 0 and 5. They've had two epic collapses to the Cowboys and the Bears. And and uh, th- yeah, this this move definitely had to happen. They, they needed to change. I don't know if Raheem Morris is going to become, you know, the, the head coach. But, you know, he's got still with the team that's is not a horrendous team. I would not consider them a bottom, even a bottom five team in the league. I still think, I think the giants, the jets, the Redskins, uh, the uh, Bengals, the Jaguars, I think they're all worse than the, the Falcons. So Raheem Moore, it's not like he has no shot, but you know, he's still got, he's still got to play Tampa Bay and uh, new Orleans twice. So I, I think that it's going to be hard for him to get the job and, and looking at, you know, Dimitrioff getting fired. He was the guy who drafted Matt Ryan. Now the now the question is, what is the future of Matt Ryan with the Atlanta Falcons? Now, if you look at Ryan's uh, cap number, they're going to be on the hook for a ton of dead money the, le- the next two years. So the, if they if they want to release him, really realistically, the the, the they could really the, the next time they could release him is probably 2022. So they're probably going to end up having to trade him if if they're going to want to get rid of him. And you heard Ti the other day on first take say, "Oh, I want Matt Ryan out of here." Well. It's a little bit harder than that with seeing what his what his cap hit is when the Falcons gave him that huge contract after he won the MVP. So it's a mess in Atlanta. There's a lot of uncertainty in Atlanta. And uh, what are your thoughts on it, Justin? Yeah, there there is a lot. Though. It's a mess right now. And this team has talent, especially in the offense, off, uh, on the offense, offensive offense side. side. Of gotcha. Yeah, they, they have a ton of talent, too. So, yeah, yeah, you know, again, I don't think they're going to um, – We'll have to go 11 and all to, to a B candidate. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. 
so yeah, he's got a pretty slim shot at that. That's a true statement by uh, Arthur Blank. You know, um, yeah, for Ryan too, it's 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 a tough spot, and this is what's the problem sometimes with these kind of QB contracts when they get older, and you know, especially when your team starts to struggle, and you, you know, you rather you know maybe go young, get another quarterback, but yeah, it, it's such a tough mess right now in Atlanta. Um, and it's a division right now too, where you got Tampa. I know the Saints have been, you know, have not looked great so far. Um, you know, the Panthers look like they're building something. So, you know, uh, it's kind of you look at the future. There's possibility that you know um, it could be anybody's division. But yeah, I think it's a mess. And I, you know, again, maybe it's it's time to maybe draft somebody later. You know, like a bit, maybe like a second, third rounder quarterback, and and kind of develop them and see what happens going into next year, and let the new coach pick that quarterback. You know, I you know, um, and, and let the new coach. But yeah, it, it's such a bad, tough situation in Atlanta right now. Um, for a couple of years ago, being in the Super Bowl, and they definitely shouldn't have fired him after that the Super Bowl loss. Um, that was ridiculous. He, he just got him there. They still have talent. But it's been a tough few years for the Falcons. They just cannot, you know, hold on. And they just got to find a way to close out games. Oh, it absolutely has. And I mean, and, and talking about Matt Ryan, I mean, I saw with I saw with Eli Manning, with Eli Manning, yeah, getting older, the team's starting to struggle, even though it's not completely your fault. They're def, they're definitely going to want to move on from you. And you and you heard Arthur Blank this week. He's he's un, he's uncommitted if Matt Ryan is, is going to be the starting quarterback. He's not completely committed if he's going to be the starting quarterback going going forward. So that's going to be that's going to be really really interesting to to talk about going forward. I heard uh, Mike Greenberg on Get Up but say today that if the Colts traded for Matt Ryan. They would be a Super Bowl contender, and I wouldn't. No, I don't completely agree there, but I think they would at least be, you know, a team that would that would, you know, uh, get a wild card and, and maybe make a playoff run if they traded for Matt Ryan. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Arthur Blank's not committed to him, and there's gonna they're and, and they announced after the game on Sunday there's gonna be major changes in Atlanta. Yeah, I don't. You know, Matt Ryan goes to Indianapolis. I, that's a definitely a solid team. I don't know. I don't, definitely don't think they, you know, make them a Super Bowl contender. With, especially with how good the Titans are right now, um, they'd be right there neck and neck. But the only thing is, I uh, I would just keep because it's not like they have a young quarterback on the bench. It's Matt Schwab. It's it's not like they they have this young guy that they can kind of get some reps in and you know, see what they have to work with. So I know they aren't committed to, keep, but why just bench Matt Ryan? Just you still have a good offense. You know, just all the weapons around you. It's it's kind of um, been more the defense, but I think it's also some of the play calling as well late in the game. I don't think they've been great at it. So I, um, I would def I would probably stick with Matt Ryan the rest of the year, unless you trade him, and you would definitely have to go go get a quarterback, and you hope it'd be a younger guy that maybe has a chance to be your next franchise quarterback right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Falcons do going forward and uh, they, they, right now they're they're their own five they've been seven and nine the last two years they got to turn things around atlanta in atlanta let's see if they're going to do it but we got to get to sunday slate and we're going to start with my team we're going to start with the giants who uh host the washington football team very very winnable game for the giants uh, uh this week against the washington football team i think uh, i think it's going to be a close competitive game i think on offense i think they're going to do enough not not be dominant on the ground but they're going to do enough on the ground with gallman 
and Devontae Freeman, who played well last week, to, you know, to contain Chase Young. The one thing that scares me in this game as a Giants fan is, is that the Giants can't run the football. Chase Young, yes, he was, he was, didn't, he was banged up last week when he played against the Rams, but I feel like he's getting more healthy. If, if the Giants can't run the ball, Chase Young could have a field day against Andrew Thomas and Daniel Jones, and that could completely wreck the game. But I think the Giants run the ball enough. So, yes, Chase Young will make an impact on the game, but I don't think he'll wreck the game. And on defense, I think Kyle Allen will make some plays in the game, but I think the Giants' defense will, you know, shut shut the run game down of the Redskins. Kyle Allen will make some plays, but I think he makes a mistake or two. And I think Daniel Jones makes more plays and less mistakes than Kyle Allen. And I got Joe Judge getting his first win on Sunday with the Giants beating the Washington football team 20 to 16. Yeah, I get the Giants picking up win number one, 23 to 20. Um, you know, I've been disappointed with Washington's last few weeks with their disappointment. Um, I know they've been missing Chase Young, but still, Jerry Goff was absolutely just on fire last week. And they, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they have not. They were not great the last few weeks. Um, I think one point Jared Goff was like 13-14. I think the Giants should be able to put up some points um, in this game. It's yeah, the the thing about Jones, it's just it's a turnover problem. So if you can get rid of that, I think you know he could be a really solid quarterback in this league. But until he gets rid of that, you know, um, but I, I think the Giants should be able to pick up the win 23-20 and um and kind of hopefully kickstart something for him and get the first win for the two New York, you know, the two uh, big New York teams in the NFL. And I think this is the first game that Daniel Jones won't have a turnover since the game against the Washington football team, no, against the Washington football team last year in December. And I think a big reason for that is I think, I don't think he's going to have to make a ton of plays. So he's not going to force a lot of throws. I think I hopefully he's able to hang onto the ball. And I think on defense, the biggest thing for the giants is I think the biggest threat the Redskins have is Terry McLaurin. I think James Bradbury is going to shadow him all game, which is going to force Kyle Allen, who is, who I'm pretty sure is going to play to force to, to, uh, throw the ball to other guys, and the Redskins do not have a ton of guys outside of Terry uh, Terry McLaurin. That's why I think the Giants do win a close one. Yeah, because um, Bradbury Bradbury's been a huge pickup for you guys because he did a good, pretty good job last week on Mari Cooper. Um, yeah, if he can definitely shut McLaurin down, which I, I think he will, it's going to make life so much tougher for Washington to find that other receive other receiver because they don't really have a ton right now that are going to kill you week in and week out. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So we got to get to your Patriots and they're going to try it again against the Broncos this week as the, as last week, unfortunately, because of co- due to COVID, they, 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 their game got postponed to this week and it should cause a huge cause a ton of schedule changes around the NFL. But that this week, the pay, the Broncos headed to England to, to face the Patriots Broncos came, came up with, uh, came down with some bad news today as uh, Melvin Gordon got arrested for a DUI and speeding. So he's probably not going to play in the game. And that's going to change my prediction. A li- uh, yes, I was, already, I was going to pick the Patriots, but it's going to change my prediction a little bit. Yes. Joe, the score I have is, is not accurate, uh, accurate at this point. I, I got the Patriots winning by a little bit more now because of Gordon not being there, because I think the Patriots will be able to shut. I think they're going to be able to shut down the run game. I think, uh, you know, Drew Locke will make his plays, but he'll make some mistakes because Belichick does really well against young quarterbacks. I think, I think Drew Locke is going to, this is his first game back since I since uh, week two. So I think Locke's going to make some mistakes against Belichick's defense. And I think on offense, yes, I think the Broncos will be able to contain the run game, but I think Camp Newton has another big game for the Patriots. I think he, he gets the ball to kill Harry. I think he uh, I think he uh, is, does a good, good job on the ground. I think he does. A, I think he throws a couple touchdown passes and I get the Patriots winning it and I got him winning it 27 to 16. I got the Patriots. I had it originally 24 or 17 Patriots. Now I got it 24 to 13 Patriots. 
Um, it'll be good for the Browns to get Drew Locke back, but it's it definitely now hurts. No Gordon. Um, but for the Patriots, they've been kind of because this will probably be their bye week. They're still taking like a bye week. I know they haven't practiced the last few days. I think today the guys are going to work out, and then tomorrow they're going to start practice. So it's a weird week too to get ready for a game with everything going on. Both teams have had two weeks to kind of prep for this. So I especially think too that Bill's going to have a really good scouting report on Julak, and he's going to make things really difficult. Also, you know, Cam Gilmore should be able to go as well. And then Edelman, too, he, he's been banged up. So you get him an extra week of rest, too. So they should be able to take care of business at home um, with San Francisco looming next week. Yeah, I, th- I think looking at their schedule t- up to the Buffalo game, I mean, looking at I think this should be a win. And I think San Francisco, the way San Francisco's played, that should be a win, too. So it, it probably is going to set up is that Buffalo matchup on, on November 1st is going to be for first place. Yeah, that, definitely. Especially the way, you know, last few weeks I thought, you know, maybe that's going to be a tough one. But with everything going on with the Niners, I definitely think that they should be able to now get to San Francisco and yeah, set up that big game in Buffalo in two weeks. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But we got to get to a big matchup in Pittsburgh. We got an AFC North matchup in Pittsburgh between the 4-0 Steelers and the 4-1 Browns. And the Browns have been a surprise team this year. And a big reason for that is because of the way they've been able to run the football. Kevin Stefanski is going to get done a great job building uh, – building an identity for this football team of running the football and having Baker and having Baker Mayfield, uh, 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 play on play action. That's really, 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 really huge for the Browns. And that was the one key I had before the season. If they were able to have success running the football. I felt like they had definitely had a chance to be a playoff team and they, then they have a great chance to be a playoff team right now. And for the Steelers, I big Ben, I had a good week last week and the guy who stepped, obviously stepped up, obviously the guy from Notre Dame, Chase Claypool had a huge week with four touchdowns last week. And one of my issues about the Steelers going into the year was their weapons on offense. I think they got two good ones now with Juju with Juju and Chase Claypool. I think Chase Claypool is going to get more reps for this game. I feel like this is going to be a close competitive, tough uh, AFC North battle. I think, for the uh, Steelers, I think that uh, Big Men has a pretty good game getting the ball to Claypool, getting the ball to uh, to uh, Juju. I think where the Steelers might struggle, though, is is protecting Ben. I think Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon are going to get pressure on Big Ben. I think they're they're also going to struggle to run the ball. The Browns have done, have done a pretty have done a really good job stopping the run this year too. So I don't think Connor's going to have that big of a game. But on the other side of the ball, I think that. The Steelers will get pressure on Baker Mayfield and the Steelers defense is going to take away. The one thing the Browns do great is that running game. I feel like the Steelers have one of the best front sevens in football. The Steelers are going to take away that running game from the Cleveland Browns, force Baker Mayfield to win the game. And you know, when Baker Mayfield's got, got to win the game, especially against a good team, that's not a good sign. I think he'll make some mistakes. I do think they move the ball a little bit with Odell and Jarvis, but at the end of the day, I think the quarterback who plays better and makes less mistakes is going to win the game. And that's why I got the Steelers beating the Browns 23, 16. I get the Steelers 28 to 16. I think with Baker being banged up, I know um, ribs injury right now. I, I think the pressure that the Steelers are going to be able to put on him, and I, I think he's going to force a couple mistakes. I think mistakes. So I think Cleveland's going to have a rough day trying to move the football. Um, against the Steelers, I'm surprised the Steelers' defense so far only five takeaways. You know that they were so good at doing that last year, and I know on the defensive side that they do have Big Ben back, so they're not so dependent on the defense side of the ball. But I fear they have a bit more right now. Um, Clay, it just seems every wide receiver that Steelers draft just turns into like a, a star. You know, they, they do a great job of, of finding wide receivers that have been really good at the, um, the NFL level. I think they'll have some success offensively. 
I think it'll be close, and I think like the Steelers force a turnover late, make it you know twenty to sixteen. Um, but this should be good. And you know, when's the last time we've seen the Cleveland Browns playing a big game? It's been a long, long time. Absolutely, that's what that's what getting talent and, make, and having a good coach does, though. Uh, that, that's exactly what it does. Yeah, definitely. You know, the last good coach they had probably Belichick. <laughs> exactly, you're right about that. Yeah, it's been a really long time. But we got an, an NFC matchup in Minnesota as the 0-5 Falcons first game with Raheem Morris head to Minnesota to face the Vikings. And before we talk about the game, we got to talk about the uh, interesting coaching move um, for Mike Zimmer last week, uh, going for it on fourth and one and not kicking the field goal, and uh, and uh, and pretty much giving Russell Wilson the, and ended up giving Russell Wilson the ball, and he scored the game. They they, they lose by one point. And you could go either way with this, but in my opinion, because your defense play has been playing well, had played well, it hadn't been on the field that long in that game. I know it's Russell Wilson, but I probably would have kicked the three, gotten the eight-point lead because they would have had to get a touchdown and a two-point conversion, and they ended up missing the two-point conversion anyway. So in a tough call, and you pretty much could have gone either way. I mean, you could make an argument either way with, with, with what Mike Zimmer could have done there. I would have kicked the field goal to go up by eight and tr- and trust my defense that had played well all night long to uh, make a stop or even make a stop or even even if the Seahawks did score, they still would have had to get the two point conversion. I'm going to disagree with you here. I think they I think it was the right call to go for it. Now I don't know because after the game I saw like a it was like a bird's eye view of you know the play. Madison had the hole. The hole was there, and he just he. Um, it would have been a touchdown if he hit the hole and he kind of went more inside and just ran into a, you know, to the lineman. So if the play was executed, right, it would have been a touchdown and it would have sealed it. And I, you know, I don't, and for me too, why I would have gone for it. And I know they didn't get it and they still lost, but I wouldn't want Russell Wilson to have the balls and ball in his hand. Um, That's a really good point. Yeah, you know, late in the game with a chance to win it. Just about how good he's been. And you kind of knew that that offense is, you know, that offense, I know they had a couple of short fields to play with. They forced a couple of turnovers. Um, but they give him a chance with the game on the line. I felt like in that spot, he's going to be able to get it done. And I that's why I agreed with Mike Zimmer. If the play was, if Madison hit the right hole, it would have been a touchdown. Yeah, it could have went either way. But for this game against the Falcons, I think uh, even down old Dalvin Cook is out. I think Alexander Madison has a good day on the ground. I think Kirk Cousins plays well, gets the ball to Adam Thielen, gets the ball to Justin Jefferson. I think the, the, the Vikings put up some points. And on defense, I think they get pressure on Matt Ryan. I think they're able to contain Todd Gurley. And I got the Vikings winning this one. I got them winning it by double digit. I got the Vikings going to two and four. Falcons go to 0 and six. I got the Vikings winning 28 17. I got Minnesota win this one 30 to 27. I think it's going to be kind of. You know, um, I think Atlanta's going to be able to hang around. I think they'll be able to get some points. Right now, I've kind of – it's my – you know, I kind of have Falcons two scoring 27. I'm anticipating Joan, Julio Jones to play. I'm not sure if he is or not yet, but I'm kind of anticipating that. I think it would really help out them more, it, obviously, if he plays. Gurley ran the ball la- well last week. If they're able to kind of do that and keep it close, I think really helped this offense because they've not been great the last few years at running the football. But, yeah, um, again, man, it's definitely a great second back here without Cook. And, they, you know, Minnesota should be able to 
score some points, and I ex- expect Kirk Cousins to play a really good game against a weak uh, Falcon secondary. Even though AJ Terrell's looked pretty good, I know you know that was a reach, but he has looked pretty good so far. Um, the few games that he's played, though, I've kind of been impressed with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's played great because the secondary for Atlanta's not been that yeah. good, but he's probably the best of the uh, best. He's probably the best player in a terrible secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, I know they're not great, but there's a bright light, I guess you could say, with them now, maybe in that secondary with how with them. Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening there. But we got an AFC South matchup in Tennessee as the Texans travel to Tennessee to face the uh, the the, the, the uh, Titans. And this pick's, this pick's going to surprise you. Okay, it's going to surprise some people. I know the Titans are probably the better team. They're the better overall team. But let's not forget the Texans do have the better quarterback. Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. I, I, I don't want to hear about the record. Deshaun Watson is better than Ryan Tannehill. And I think in this game, because the Titans are on a short week and they're a little bit tired from the, from the, from their win against the Bills, I think that Houston plays well in this game. I think that with Romeo Cornell last week, their defense was improved, and Deshaun Watson played a pretty good game. And I think Deshaun Watson plays another good game. I think he plays, has another really good game. Get the ball to Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. I think David Johnson gets some yards on, on the ground as well. And for Tennessee, I feel like you know Derrick Henry will get his yards on the ground, and, and Ryan Tannehill will, will make some plays. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go with an upset here. And I'm going with the Texans to upset the Titans 27-24. Wow. Wow, really? I, I don't think the Texans have much of it. I think he, I mean, Tennessee wins this thing 34-24. to I just um, I just don't know about – I just think Derrick Henry's going to be able to run all over the team. I know it's a short week. It's a really weird week because it's already Wednesday. Um, this Texans D, I know they looked a little bit better. But they haven't forced a turnover yet. And on offense, they've already given up 16 sacks. So I think this is a week where and Javavion Clowney comes back to Houston. And I think he could have two or three sacks in this game. I think he could dominate this. I think Tannehill plays well. And you know, obviously, I you know, Watson is a obviously the better quarterback than Tannehill is. I just I don't I, I think Houston's defense really struggles in this game. So I got Houston, I mean t- Tennessee 34-24. We got a matchup in Carolina of two very surprising teams. The four and one uh, Bears head down to Carolina to face the three and two Panthers. And I think this is going to be a close, really, really close competitive game. I think this will be the best game I feel like David Montgomery has on the ground because uh, b- because the Panthers run defense isn't that good. I think Nick Foles will convert enough third downs. I think Teddy Bridgewater will make his plays. I think I think they'll get the run game going with Bonifant Davis. I think Teddy Bridgewater will make his plays to, uh, to DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. But I think this game comes down to the end where the Chicago Bears got to make a stop on defense. And this has happened three times this year, or I think even four times this year, and they've done it all four times. And I don't think that's going to change on Sunday. I got, I got the Bears winning in Carolina 24-20 over the Panthers. I Yeah, this is probably the toughest game to pick for me this week. And I, I got Carolina winning at 23 to 20 at home. Um, they're looking for the fourth straight win. And they, they've looked so good the last few weeks. Um, they started 0 2, but um, they should, you know, I, I think at home this week, they should be able to get it going once again. I think they can make Chicago, you know, one to match. If they can kind of slow down Montgomery, I know they haven't been, Panthers haven't been great top in the run, but if you can. Try to make Nick Foles beat you through the air because this Carolina secondary has played pretty well so far. 
for all the young guys that they got, um, you know, for Chicago, they played well against um, Tampa Bay last week. The offense, you know, Jimmy Graham looked pretty good at tight end. Uh, but I, I really like the way, you know, Carolina's – both teams have been playing really well. Both teams have been a surprise to this point. But I think Carolina should be able to get the win and move the four and two in the uh, our four and two so far. We have a uh, AFC matchup in Indianapolis. The teams are pretty close to each other. Cincinnati, it's the, the Bengals. When the Bengals will head up to Indy to face the Colts, and in this game, it's interesting because the Bengals do have the better quarterback in Joe Burrow, but. The, the uh, Colts definitely are the better team. I think, you know, and I think in this game, the Colts are going to win. I think they're going to win it by two scores. And here's the reason why I think the Colts are going to be able to get the ground game going like they did last week with Jonathan Taylor. So Phillip Rivers will just only be have to man, only be, only have to manage the game instead of have to go out and win the game like he did last week. And at his age, that's pretty much all he can do right now. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, I think this, uh, this, this Colts defense, if Darius Leonard plays, which was a big loss last week for the Colts, he didn't play. And that's why the Browns had success on the ground. And if Darius Leonard plays, I think they're going to be able to shut down uh, Joe Mixon. I think they're going to get, be able to get pressure on Joe Burrow all day. The Bengals have the worst offensive line in football. There's no question. The Bengals line is the worst in the league. I think they're going to get pressure on Joe Burrow all day. And I got the Colts winning by two scores. I got the Colts beating the Bengals 24 to 13. Yeah, I got the Colts 27-20 or 27 to 20 at home. Um, you know, right now, because I know Leonard's questionable. So if, if he doesn't play, I think the Bengals may have some success moving the ball. Um, not probably not a ton. I still think the Colts are gonna be able to get pressure because Burrow was sacked seven times last week. It's just um you know, tough to get anything going when you're being you know, you're running for your life every every single play. Um you know, and yeah, Rivers has got to stop with the turnovers. I think he may make one. I think he'll probably make one mistake again. I think they should be able to get back to the run game this week. They should be able to play from in front. And if they do that, they should be able to take care of business. But I, I, I think Cincinnati is going to keep it close, but the Colts should be able to get the win. The Ravens head up by 95 to face the Eagles this week. And I think in this game, I think this is another – game that is fit for the Ravens to win. I think, I think they're able to, you know, even though the Eagles have a pretty good run defense with Fletcher Cox, the Eagles linebackers are the worst in the league. Probably some of the, they probably have the worst linebacking core in the league. So I think, I think the Ravens will still have success running the ball with, uh, with Gus Edwards, uh, Mark Ingram and JK Dobbins. I think Lamar Jackson is going to be able to, you know, make plays to, uh, to, Holly, to Hollywood Brown, because it looks like Darius Slay is not going to play. He's not going to get out of concussion protocol. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I think they're going to get pressure on Carson Wentz and, and, and the Eagles offensive line has struggled this year. Yes. Some of those sacks last week, the, the Steelers did get five sacks, but some of those sacks were coverage sacks, but looking at the Eagles, they don't have Lane Johnson. They might not have Jason Peters again. So I think they're going to struggle. And that's a, the Eagles are going to struggle to protect Carson Wentz. I think Wentz will make plays, but not enough. And I got the Ravens beating the Eagles 27, 17. I get Baltimore going on the road, 28 to 16. Um, Baltimore should do that. They should be able to have no problems on the ground this week against the Eagles. Um, yeah. They're, they're I think they're going to get tons of pressure on Carson Wentz and yeah, they're going to make them, you know, make him make, make, he's going to make a couple of mistakes. Um, they've already had nine turnovers too um, so far, and I just you know, um, and now yeah, without Slay too, um, I think it's even tough now to slow slow um, Baltimore down in the pass the few passes that they're going to be able to that they're going to throw in this game. It could be a long day 
for the Eagles, but they should be able to get some points, but obviously not enough. We got the Lions heading down to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars, and I think this is a really, really close competitive game, but in this game, I'm going to take the better quarterback. I think Matthew Stafford has 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 a lot of success in this game. I think the uh, the the uh, Adrian Peterson has success on the ground. I think that'll help Stafford off play action, getting the ball to Kenny Dalladay and Marvin Jones. So I think the Lions put up some points in this game. I do think Jacksonville puts up points too. I think they I think they uh, run the ball with 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 uh, with, with James Robinson. I think they uh, Gardner Minshew, Minshew is a pretty good game as well, but. At the end of the day, I think the Lions have the better quarterback, and I think they make the stop on defense with Minshew driving down the field at the end. And I got the Lions beating the Jaguars 28-24. I get the Jags winning 31 to 27. Um, I you know, the Jags had a couple of changes last week. They, you know, um they missed some opportunities when they're in their red zone. They missed a couple of field goals and they had a fumble. So they they easily could have won that game last week in Houston. I think Gardner Meshu is going to absolutely tear up Detroit's secondary. And then again, it's James Robinson. The Lions are 30th in the league against the run. Oh, I think James Robinson's going to have a big game on the ground. And you're the Lions. I, I'm not picking the Lions. I, I don't even care if they were playing the Jets this year. I'd still pick the Jets over the Lions. I just don't like Matt Patricia as a head coach right now. Um, I didn't really like what he said last week in the press conference. Oh, that was that was that was embarrassing. I had work to do. I, you know, you know, Jim Caldwell went. Uh, he had three winning seasons. Went nine and seven in his last season, and you've been ten, twenty-five, and one. You and you have the audacity to say you got a lot of work to do. That shows you why you should not be a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. They, you should have kind of had to get another piece or two and make you above five hundred. But he's on the complete opposite of that, and I, I just. I won't be picking the Lions, so I'm going to go to Jack 31-27. Got a huge matchup in Tampa Bay as the 4-0 Packers travel down to Tampa to face the 3-2 Bucks, and I think this is going to be an exciting game. 425 Fox, Joe and Troy will be on the call. I think this is going to be a really exciting game between you know, two of the two of I think uh, I think two of the top, two of the best quarterbacks of our generation with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, obviously clearly first ballot Hall of Famers. And in this game, I think the team that runs the ball better is going to win it. And that's why I got the I got the I got the Bucks. I think the Bucks are going to be able to run the ball with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Green Bay's weak. This is their defense, their run defense. So I think they'll be able to run the ball with 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 those with those two guys. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, I think the Buccaneers will be able to limit that contain Aaron Jones. I think Bay is definitely a loss. Losing Bay of Bay is going to be a loss. But I think with with uh, Devin White and Levante David, I think with those linebackers playing, I think they're going to be able to limit the production of Aaron Jones, force a lot of it on Aaron Rodgers. And I think Aaron Rodgers will uh, have a big game too. But with 10 days off for the Buccaneers, they're starting to get healthy with Fournette. Hopefully, Godwin plays as well. I think this is going to be a really, really close competitive game, but I got Tampa beating Green Bay 31-27. I'm not going against Tampa Bay. Really? I, I'm going up against my uh, my boy Brady. I got the Packers 31-28. I think losing Bay, I think Aaron Jones is going to be able to run the ball. Um, Green Bay has been better against the run, but again, yeah, this is kind of their first really – Big running back they face. I know they faced Minnesota, but they were so out ahead that Minnesota really couldn't run the football. Um, but I, you know, again, I don't, I haven't, I didn't like Tampa Bay's offense. I know Chicago's got a good defense. Their defense kind of looks like Steve from a couple years ago. They have the most holding calls right now in the league. Tom Brady looked just like last year, just a lot of frustration right now. Um, I think they'll put up some points, but I really like the way. Rodgers been playing. I think Adams is going to play. I know he's still questionable, but I think he's leaning towards, you know, he'll be able to give it a go. They get him back. 
Rise right now, 13 touchdowns at no interceptions. Um, he's got something to prove right now, and I'm not going to pick against him. I'll go with the Packers 31-28. We got an AFC East matchup down in Miami, and usually this is a competitive game, but seeing what's happening with the Jets this week, I can't see this being a competitive game. I think the Dolphins win big, and I think they win big for the second week in a row. I think Miles Gaskins has a big week on the ground. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's been playing really well since the opening game, I think you know, he gets the ball to Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki and, and Preston Williams. And I think on the other side for the Jets, yes, I did have this 31-17, but I think it's because that was before Le'Veon Bell, you know, got released. I think this is going to be worse. I think, you know, I think they're not going to protect Sam. Depending on who plays Sam Darnold or Joe Flacco, they're not going to be able to protect either. They're not going to be able to get the run game going. I think this is going to be a complete mess. I I got the Dolphins winning, and I got them winning by three scores. I got the Dolphins winning 31-10 over the Jets. And if this isn't Adam Gase's last game, I I have no clue what the Jets are looking at. Yeah, um, so I get right before we on the air, I did hear Joe Flacco is starting. They did rule out Darnold, so um, it will be Joe Flacco. And, yeah, I'm changing my score, too. I did originally 34 to 14 Miami. I got it 34 to 10 now. So you got wow. the coach, uh, Joe Flacco and Frank Gore in the back, in backfield. Um, that was good in 2012. I mean, those two guys were in the Super Bowl in 2012, not good in 2020. Yeah, ten, yeah, yeah, 10 years ago uh, – what he gave Jets a much better shot at those two, but not yeah. now. And I don't know now. Adam Gase said he may give he may give up the play calling. That thing That's is a it. mess. That thing is so that thing is so inconsistent. Oh, I might give up the play calling duties. And now you know you should have given up the play calling duties right when he became a head coach. And now now he wants to be there for the team right in the right when he's on the brink of getting fired. You got to be kidding me. Yeah, uh, it's bad. And I don't know if you saw that play. They had, it was third and one last week. Yeah, and they painted the ball to a tight end. Uh, it's it just, I don't, I feel bad for Jeff, man. This is just, uh, this is awful. Miami should win big. They, they have no problems. Yeah, this is going on 1-15 and 15 or 0-16 for the Jets. Yeah. But we got to wrap up with the games this week, and we're going to talk about, talk about a NFC West matchup on Sunday night, Sunday night football as the Rams travel to Santa Clara to face the 49ers. And in this game, I think this is a close competitive game. But I think the difference in this game is going to be which quarterback makes less mistakes. And I think the quarterback that's going to make less mistakes is going to be Jared Goff because I think there's problems with the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. I think I thought last week it made absolutely no sense. To, I, I, I mean, I know he was a little banged up, but he wasn't on the final injury report. And, they, and, they, and the Niners bench Garoppolo at halftime. That makes no sense at all. I mean, that makes no sense to me at, at all why they bench Garoppolo. I think they're messing with his head. I think I think things are not good right now in San Francisco. I think in this game, the Rams, I think I think their, de- their, their defense is going to force a turnover or two uh, from Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they're going to get pressure on him with Aaron Donald. I think Jay the Ramsey's going to have a good game too. And I think for the Rams, I think, you know, they might have a great game offensively, but I don't think they make the mistakes offensively. And I think Jared Goff makes enough plays getting the ball to Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. They get enough yards on the ground. And I got the Rams winning this one in a close one, uh, 23-20. And the big question is, what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo? What are the Niners going to do? I thought coming to the season, he was clearly their franchise quarterback. It looks like right now, there's a lot of questions there. Yeah, I got the Rams 27-17. I thought they kind of more benched because he still looked like he was banged up. He still did not look like he was 100% healthy. I know he, he played awful, but I still don't think he was healthy last week. I, I really don't. And I, I, I don't know if he's going to be healthy this week. I don't know what their plans are with him but you know i think obviously i think he's playing right now but 
Yeah, I um, it took me injury because he he did look really really awful, and the it looked like all the injuries um caught up to him to the scene. And for the Rams, I think you know they've been a surprise so far. They've really looked good, and I think they should be able to go to five and one. They already got seven sacks. I think they'll get pressure on Jimmy G or Mullins, whoever they start at quarter. It, you know, or Bethard, they could start Bethard too. Yeah, Bethard. Um, whoever they play a quarterback, I think the Rams will be able to get pressure. And they should be able to go looking five and one. Yeah, so we'll see what we'll see how we do on our picks this week. You're right now, I think you're leading CMG. Your record is right now 54, uh, 22 and one. I'm I did get a game on you. I'm a 49, 27 and one. This is a big week because I think we're we disagree. We're not. We didn't have the same pick on like four or five games. So I could, I could, you know, close the one game within a game of you, or you could, you know, be up like nine or ten games on me. So this is a big week in terms of that. But we got to move on to the NBA. This will be the last time we talk about the NBA for a while, and we got to talk about what happened Sunday night as the Lakers won their 17th championship, beating the Heat uh, 106 to 93. This game pretty much was over at halftime as the Lakers led by 30. Uh, I think, you know, obviously, you know, the move to get Anthony Davis was the move that that got them to a championship. Obviously, getting LeBron two years ago was a huge move as well. You know, and I think the Lakers, I think, you know, it was really between them and the Clippers pretty much the entire season. And then once the Clippers went out, they were the clear favorite. I mean, I, all the all the credit to the Heat. They were they, they were they were uh, they were scrappy. They won that game five that nobody thought they were going to win. Jimmy Butler had an outstanding series, but at the end of the day, here's the thing in the NBA: organizations don't win championships, players do, and the Lakers proved that, beating the Heat in six. Yeah, um, you know, it, it was a great effort from from the Heat, and you know, in game six too, it just looked like Butler was just gas too. I know he had. Um, he only had like 12 points in the game, I think. Like, you know, he, he looked gassed. And that second quarter, they kind of just took over a couple of turnovers by the Heat. Um, and then when you get 19 points from Rondo and 17 from K- 17 from KCP, it's tough to beat them. And, yeah, you know, uh, two years ago when they got the Lakers, they're hoping to bring back, you know, when LeBron went to the Lakers, they're hoping to kind of bring back that championship pedigree. Um, they were able to do it this year. And, Bringing in Anthony Davis just helped that out even more to bring in his part uh, sidekick or partner. Yeah, I wouldn't call him sidekick because he, he's a great player. But yeah, you know this team was just tough to stop. And the Clippers probably would the Clippers, you know, if the Clippers were in the Western Conference Finals, the winner of that series would have won the NBA Finals. Those two teams um, were the best two in the NBA. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think AD obviously was the perfect teammate for LeBron. Didn't care about being, you know, the, the alpha male. They, they were one pretty much one A and one B all year long. And that was, and I think that was the ultimate reason. Cause I think that was the issue with Kawhi and Paul George. And they, they, they kind of cared about who that guy was going to be. It didn't matter with the Lakers with, with, uh, with AD and LeBron and that's why they're champions. Yeah. Now. And yeah, cause it seemed like Paul George, Kawhi, they both kind of want to be that guy one night, and it just seemed they, you know, one of them would do too much in that game when the other was kind of having a big night. Yeah, yeah. And LeBron and AD just didn't seem to care um, who had who had the bigger game or the better game, and it, it really did show. And you know, just the way Anthony Davis plays, he's just so tough to defend with everything he can do. Um, yeah, I, I definitely do agree. Anthony Davis has been LeBron's best teammate so far in his career. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now that the finals are over and LeBron got his fourth ring, we do have to, 
to, to talk about where his place is in history. In my opinion, he's obviously number two. He's clearly number two with, uh, with, with right behind Michael Jordan. A lot of people argue he's right there with Jordan or even better than Jordan. Here's my argument against that. Yes, I'll admit, I did not see Michael pretty much. I saw the, the end of Jordan's career with the Bulls, so I didn't really watch the whole career with, uh, of, of Michael Jordan. But one thing I do know is, is Michael Jordan never lost to a team that he was better than. If you look at, at, the, at the series Jordan lost early in his career, uh, one of them was to the uh, most of them. I think three of them were the Bad Boy Pistons, and one of them was to the Celtics with Larry Bird, with Bird, McHale, and Parrish. Those teams were clearly better than his Bulls teams at the time. And I'm not going to really count '95 because he came into that season late when they when they lost to the Magic that that year. But if you look at pretty much Jordan's career, he never lost to a team that that he was that he was that he was better than. That's not the case for LeBron because if you remember in 2011. That Heat team was better than that Dallas team. And he didn't play that well in that series against the Mavericks. And let me tell you, if you want to be the best and you want to be on Michael Jordan's level, you can't lose that series. Michael Jordan does not lose that series. LeBron loses to the Mavs. That's why I would say Jordan is the best and LeBron is number two. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Jordan won, LeBron two for me. I also think it's a six, you know, finals losses that, he, that he's had. You know, I know you, you talked about 2011. 2011 is the biggest one for me because all the other, the other five, I felt like he didn't have the better team in, in those, in those, in those series, but 2011 is the big one for me. And then the other big one for me too is um, I think for Jordan, Jordan was pretty much, you know, I know it's different eras, but the teams that Jordan had to go through too, you know, obviously the bad boys, Pistons, those Nick teams in the nineties, um, you know, and I know LeBron could have faced the Clippers. That could have been a really good team. Um, that would have been a good test for him. But I, I think – and Jordan, too, was more feared. And LeBron's like – you know, because now everybody's buddies, buddies with each other. So LeBron's, like, really respected. But everybody feared Michael Jordan. And then also, too, in game five, when he gave – you know, when he passed it out to Danny Green, no way Michael Jordan does that. Michael Jordan goes and wins that game himself. He doesn't pass that ball out. And I also think that's why another reason Jordan would LeBron will do whatever he has to do to win, but Jordan will take it to that next step. And I, I also think that's why I put Jordan ahead of LeBron. Yeah, it's it's very close between the two. The two are just completely outstanding. I don't want to start this as a debate that we're that we're that we're knocking LeBron's greatness and he's not as good as Michael Jordan. They're both phenomenal players, but just in my opinion. I just think Jordan is just a, not much better, just a little bit better than LeBron James. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Because LeBron has been the second best player of all time. He, you know, and he's been great to watch. And the last ten times he's been in the playoffs, he's made the finals. He's been a tremendous player. I'm, yeah, def, we're definitely not knocking, knocking that from him. But I, I definitely think Jordan is the better player of all time. Just he'd win it. You know, he'd take. You know. Um, whatever he has to do to win. And I also say, yeah, he would beat team. He would not let anybody that probably had the worst, you know, he'd beat every team that he should beat. You know, he would not lose to any of those guys. And he probably would have swept this team. too. he probably would have swept the heat. He probably wouldn't let them hung around in the series. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's close, but it's an interesting debate, but we got to get on to baseball and we got to get onto those Yankees who, Let's just say this probably, you know, you look at the last three times the Yankees were eliminated from the playoffs the last three years. 2017, even though they didn't get to the World Series, still a very, very successful season because that team came out of nowhere. 2018, 
I still still think that was a successful season because they won 100 games and they lost to the best team in the league that that ended up winning the World Series. And then in 2019, with all the injuries, I still considered that a successful season because that team went over 100 games and uh, and they then they got to the ALCS too. But I think this year is the most disappointing because I think that's because of the team they lost to. I think the two Astros team teams from 17 and 19 and the Red Sox team from 18 was definitely better than the Rays team this year. And, uh, and also, you know, I think Aaron Boone, uh, definitely had his hand in the series, especially in game two. Like we talked about, I mean, I don't get why he didn't let, uh, Debbie Garcia do his job in game two and let him pitch that game. I don't get why, you know, he brought Jay Happ out of relief and Jay Happ was surprised about it. I mean, he could have gotten bailed out in the series, but he chose not to have Clint Frazier or Gary Sanchez in the lineup. So I honestly, his decision in game two and those decisions in game five are yes. Judge didn't have a great series. Yes. He had that home run in game five, but he didn't have a great series. Gio didn't have a great series and Boyd didn't have a great series, but I think, and, and Tanaka didn't pitch that well in game, in game, uh, in game three, but I think the biggest reason the Yankees lost this series is because of the decisions that Aaron Boone made. And that's why this is a tough one to swallow as a Yankee fan. Yeah, it is. And it's a team too. And no disrespect to Tampa. They won 40 games. They had, I think they still have, they had nine guys, nine pitches on the IL at one point. Um, but I think combined their whole lineup that played in game five made $8.8 million. And just a record, Gary Cole did his job game five. He was great. He made the one mistake, and he is making thirteen million. So one guy, our starting pitcher, you know, that made the whole Rays lineup. They don't have that one superstar, but Randy Rosarena killed them. And I'm with there with you with Boone, and I know he's got the option, so I know they're not firing him. And but this is the third straight time in the playoffs where he's gotten outmanaged, and his moves have really caught, came back to cost. But I think this one was was glaring. This one was glaring where it it, it it was on him. This one was glaring. The other two, I think he lost to a better team. This one was glaring on. Him. This one was definitely on him. Yeah, no, I, I, definitely. Because again, it just took the wind out of their sails because you just you're you're telling your team that we don't have enough that that we got to play the Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Rays level. We got to beat them at their own game. And I, I think that really, you know, um, just, yeah, I, I think it killed all momentum that they gained out of game one. And it really changed things around. But, you know, look, you know, I, I think for Boone, because his contract's up next year, he better get the World Series next year. I'm not taking anything less. If, if it's anything less – I, I I don't know if I want him back, and especially if he makes moves like this next year, because Mike Ford hasn't played a game in what in three weeks, and you're and they playing. had him pinch hit for Higashioka. Yeah, and then what are you telling Gary? Hey, you're gonna come in for defense because we're gonna pitch Higashioka. And I and I was talking to Joe after the game. He said it. He said it perfectly. Higashioka should have been pulled from that game after Garrett Cole came out. Yeah, I agree. He should have. You know why? You know. Especially when when your whole team is going to be strikeout or home run, anyways. Who cares? Who cares? He strikes out three times. The rest of the team does it. Who cares? What's the, what's the big deal about it? Uh, it you know, that, that's what annoys me about all this. Is just it's the Yankees' fault. I blame the Yankees for what's happened to Gary Sanchez. You put, you know, Joe said it. You know, we were talking before. This is the third catcher instructor in four years. He's probably had learned so many different things that he doesn't know what's right and what's wrong. And they're trying to make him into Johnny Bench when I'm fine with him just being Mike Piazza. Just a great hitter, but he's got his, you know, 
He's got his flaws defensively. I take that any day of the week because he can make up for the one or two pass balls that he has. He can make up for it putting a home run in the seats. So I blame the Yankees. I don't really blame Gary for any of this, for his lack of um, production. Again, he's got to get back on track, but I blame the Yankees for him. Yeah, I mean, you you can blame the Yankees, but part of it's got to be on Gary Sanchez. He just hasn't lived up to what what he's been, what, what he was in 2016 and 2017. I mean, he just hasn't. He's, his average is terrible. He strikes out too much. Yes, defensively, he he he's shaky. I mean, yes. What have I played him? Or what have I had? Do I play him over Akashioka when when Garrett Cole doesn't pitch? Absolutely. But he just hasn't played played well the last you know two three seasons. I said that's just, that's just the reality of the situation. You want to talk about you know changing coaches and everything? Yes, the organization hasn't done him right. But still, as a player, you got to play well, and he just hasn't played well. So I'm I'm sorry. Everybody wants to say, oh, it's the Yankee organization. It's the organization. Sanchez has got to step up as well. Justin. Yeah, I mean, they might have lost Justin there, but yeah, I mean, the the, the organization's got as we said, he's got to play. He's he's got. To be, oh, Eden just said wrong. His numbers outside of batting average are tops among catchers. Yes, but the catching position is not a deep position in terms of offense. Okay. Yes, I, if 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 they want to, you know, people want to say, you know, yes, his numbers outside are are, are batting average. Is tops among catchers, yes, but the catching position is not a deep offensive position. So, yes, I'm not saying we should get rid of him. I, I still want him on the team, but he needs to step up and get back to uh, all right. Best best among catchers, best arm among catchers. Yes, I get that, but let's just let's just stop with the Gary Sanchez stuff. And I, I bet Joe has Justin's mic muted right now. I, I bet he does. But yeah, I mean, it's just let's let's just admit he just hasn't lived up to the potential. It's just it's just it's just. What, what what what's happened with Gary Sanchez? And he's and he's got to be better next season. But so does Aaron Boone. And and, and yesterday in the Michael K show, I mean, he, Hal Steinbrenner said that Boone is back. But obviously, this is a year where the Yankees have to at least get to the World Series, or Aaron Boone will probably be will probably be gone. So a lot of pressure is obviously on Aaron Boone. Oh, all right. I, I, I get this. Okay. Second best. Is, I get this. Okay. I get the Gary Sanchez defense and the Gary Sanchez love, but I'm sorry. I, he just hasn't, his average just isn't there. I mean, I defend him early in the year, but I just couldn't defend him by the end of the season. I mean, I think the, the players, a, I think he's one of the, yeah, one of the better catchers in baseball, but knowing the catch position in baseball, that's not saying that much. So that's that's what that's just not saying that much. Justin, you back? Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, there's part of blame that yes, definitely could be on Gary Sanchez, but I put most of the blame on the Yankees organization. You know, some of it, yeah, you know, yeah, we all have all these. You know, I would maybe say Glaber. I know he wasn't great average wise this year, but last year he hit right last two years. I think he's been right around 300 over it, um, and. and because most of his lineup is strikeout or, or home run. And it, to me, it goes back to analytics. It, again, I know home runs when you ball games according to the computers, but let's try to get some base hits. And so, yeah, the rest of the team I know hasn't been as bad, but a lot of it, you know, I know Gary was the worst of it. He did it that, you know, walk on against or put him the four run lead against the Mets. I, he's had his moments. He had a good game, I thought, in game two against the Indians, but. Again, I, I think if they just simplify things for him and just let him focus on hitting and not trying to be the greatest catcher of all time, I think his numbers will go back up because I think it'll clear his head and he'll focus more on hitting. 
I think he focused more on the defense. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. How many catchers have more than 10 home runs this season? And dude, it's a 60 game season, okay? Give me a break with how many catchers have hit more than 10 home runs, okay? Listen, okay? Again, the position is not a strong position in the game, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So, please, enough with the how many catchers have hit more than 10 home runs this season, okay? Stop with that. There's not, there wasn't many, but it's still, I know he played, I think, 49 of the games, I believe, he played in. I, again, I just think if you let him simplify things, the average will go up, the homers will go up. Okay, maybe not the defense, but who cares if he's putting 35 home runs in the season next year? Who's going to care? I know the people will still be out there. Oh, my God, he can't play defense. We should trade him. We should release him. But I, who cares? Just takes his, Who cares if he – it's 35 home runs. It, it, as long as the average goes up, I, I I do agree. The average, he cannot sit around the the 200. You know, he's got to get it up there to 240, 250 at least. But as long as he's putting balls in the stands, I won't care. And, again, we get, we, we've seen him do it. So just simplify things for Gary, and I, I think he'll be fine. Stop trying to make him into the greatest catcher of all time. Just stop. Yeah. I know, I know, but I, the, the, he needs to step up. He, need, he need, I don't want him off the team, but he needs to step up. But we've we've gone to we've gone we've done enough with Gary Sanchez. We got to get to some other issues, and the other one of the other issues is Aroldis Chapman. I don't I would say it's an issue, but as me and Joe were talking after the game about him, maybe him and Britain switching because the last couple of years he's given up some big home runs. Obviously, the home run to Altuve, the uh, home run obviously to, to Broussard, to Broussard, and then obviously you had the. Uh, had the game-winning double he gave up two years ago against the Astros, too. So he's, he's given up some big hits in the postseason. I'm not saying by any means the role as Chapman is done, but some of these big hits he's given up in the postseason are a little concerning. Yeah, they are. And I thought that Brasso bat, that was a great at-bat by him. Um, and I know he didn't have any confidence really in the slider because of what happened last year without Tuve, but you could see that last foul ball they hit. He was all over the fastball. And when he threw it, you knew, you know, he was, he was on top of it. I felt like he should have at least tried the slider. Because he was all over it. Um, and Michael K is making this suggestion, which I actually kind of like. Because, yeah, I, I, you know, I think you know, it would be a good idea to move Britain to the closer. But then you pay $60 million for a setup man. Why don't – because remember, he came up as a starting pitcher. If you're looking for a starting pitcher next year, why don't you see if you can get some length out of him? Again, and see what he can do as a starter. I don't think – because – you know, sixteen million dollars a year. You don't really want him to be a setup man. I and he because his stuff's not unique anymore. Everybody coming up throwing hundred miles per hour now. It, it's not. It's not unique like it first was. But I kind of like that idea. Try him as a starter. Just see how it how it works out. Um, I, I think that could be a good idea. Maybe kind of could even you know, because um, I know he wanted to do that. He may still be up for that. I know. Um, that was always something he wanted to do, was, you know, be a starter. But um, I kind of like that idea. And I don't love the starter idea. I keep him in the bullpen. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not into, you know, making relievers, you know, especially good relievers starting pitchers. I keep him in the bullpen. Just it's still it's just, you know, him and Sprint switching would maybe help them because Britain, as me and Joe were talking about after the game on Friday, Britain doesn't give up the home runs that Gary Sanchez gives. Up. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry about Gary Sanchez, but uh, Oros Chapman gives up. So. I would still, you know, maybe uh, uh, definitely keep uh, Chapman in the bullpen, have him, him and you see, and Joe put up the stat, eight if rate and saves. So, and he doesn't blow saves either. So I wouldn't mind having Britain the closer, Chapman set up, man. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that either. It just, you know, I just don't know if you want to be paid $16 million a year to a setup man. 
You know, it just seems a little bit too much. I know Britain's, I think, in 13. That's a little bit less, but I don't know. I, I kind of want to tip the hand there because you may be looking for a fifth starter. I kind of saw, too, Cashman was, you know, talking to the media today. And it sounds like Severino is probably not going to be back um, until June or July. It, yeah, I could even be fine with that seeing that situational. Um, yeah, I agree there. I agree there. I, I don't. I don't. I don't mind that either. You know, it, you know, depending on who comes up in the lineup, depending on you know where they are, the opponent is in the order. Um, but you could be looking for a fifth. I don't know. I, I would. You know, I'm hoping maybe that's an open idea with Boone and the rest of the staff, but. Um, I guess we'll see. Yeah. So lastly, we'll talk about some of the free agents. Uh, DJ LeMay, obviously a must sign. Tanaka, a lot of people don't think he'll be back. I think that's kind of a question mark. Pax and Hap, I think they're going to let, they're going to let walk. Uh, and, and here, oh, here's another thing, Joe. Yeah. Hig- Higgy and Sanchez might platoon behind the play. I wouldn't mind seeing that too, because Sanchez could focus on, you know, hitting and not have to focus on catching. So that, so, so that could help as well. If Sanchez could be a DH and have Higgy catch. So I wouldn't mind that either. But we'll get, we'll get we'll get to the free agents. Uh, yeah, DJ LeMay obviously must sign Tanaka. I'm not sure of yet, but there's a pretty good chance he won't come back. Paxton, they'll probably let walk. Pat probably let walk. And then Gardner, do not pick up his option. With the way Clint Frazier's been playing, let Clint Frazier play now. Greg Gardner, I appreciate everything he's done, but it's time to 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 to, to end it with Brett Gardner. Yeah, um, Guardy, yes, thank you for everything. You know. Um... But yeah, you gotta get Clint Frazier's turn. He's deserves he deserves it, and you cannot keep wasting him on the bench and playing him once or twice a week. Um, Half and Paxton, yeah, I think they're definitely both gone. Um, Tanaka, I felt a little bit more console. Joe was saying that you know, the you know Japan, he can go get you know, a lot of money. So I felt like maybe the Yankees could bring him back on a one year deal if they could be on the cheap side. Um, but yeah, LeMay, you definitely have to pay. It worries me that they may, because you're already paying Cole to what? He's going to be 38. You're paying Stan until he's 38. It's like, do they want to really pay another guy? It, it, you know, LeMay, until he's 36, $25 million a year. I, I, you know, I'd be okay. I'd be fine with it just because, again, he's, you lose so much because he's really the only guy that um, is a really good contact hitter. But, you know, again, it's a, it's, it's so I think the the Yankees definitely have to resign him. They definitely got to do whatever it takes to resign him. Yeah, absolutely. He's just been so good for them the last two years. I can't see them resigning them. Not re- see them not resigning him. And then you look at the other guys. We'll see what happens. We'll see what ends up happening there. But more than likely, uh, the, the Taxon, uh, Tanaka, Paxton, and uh, Hap will walk. And then uh, and then I hope Gardner doesn't get his option picked up. Mm-hmm. But we got to get to the rest of the playoffs. We got to get to the ALCS, and the Rays are on the brink of getting to the World Series. And I think the big story in this series has been this: the Astros cannot hit at all with runners in scoring position, and the two huge errors from uh, Jose Altuve in Game One. He had the air. I mean, him and Goriel had that air. I mean, when he when he uh, underthrew him, and then Goriel couldn't scoop the ball up. Then Margot, next batter, hits a home run, and then last night Goriel. I mean, uh, Altuve makes a bad throw to, to Correa at, sec- at second, and uh, then the Rays go on to score uh, five runs in that inning. So the Rays have had timely hitting and capitalized on Houston's airs. They, the Rays have had gotten good pitching, and I think that has been the difference in the series. Yeah, um, it's and the thing is too, like the Rays' defense. I think too, it just seems every night they're making a huge play. Yeah, you saw you saw uh, more more go in uh, the game in game uh, three, make, make two that making that play, and then last night Kiermaier made a nice play too. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, their their defense was spot on. And Bergman hit like the five line outs or whatever over ninety five miles per hour. Um, him and Springer are two for twenty six this series. And Springer has been great in the postseason, struggling this one or uh, this year so far. Um, but I, I've been impressed with the Rays. They again, they're not gonna they're not gonna win a ton of um, slugfests. You know, this is how they want to win games. And they got they, the Rays have the best bullpen in baseball, and they got a really good rotation. That's why they're here. They do, and they also can put their. You know, they had twelve different guys close this year. They don't care what role. You know, they can put anybody in any type of role, and they're fine with it, and they're good with it, and it works out for them. It, it just everything just has fallen into place for the for this bullpen, and you get behind, and you you're in trouble. You're not going to be able to score many runs on this bullpen. Um, and, you know, tonight, I know Houston's got a Granky on the mound who it's an interesting call too. Cause I know he's still, he's not been great. And you, you know, got to have someone to stop, be the stopper though. Yeah, I mean, you're down right. 03. What do you got to lose? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And they shouldn't, you know, they had nobody really thought the Astros are going to get back here this year. Um, but you're going to have to face uh, Tyler Glass now who, um, was been. pretty good in game five. And I was shocked that he got taken out of game five too, as, as fast as he did. I actually thought that was, that was going to be, that was going to help the Yankees, but it ended up not, but he was really good in game in game five against the Yankees. Yeah, he was. And on two days rest too, it was really surprising. I figured his fastball would be a little bit slower, but he was still getting up there in the high nineties. Um, I was hoping they were going to put Snell in after cause the Yankees love hitting him, but yeah. Oh, uh, you see, Joe, don't question Kevin Cash. I, I get it, yes. Kevin Cash, one of the best managers in baseball. I won't question him. His move ended up working. But after the judge home run, I just had a little bit of a question with it. But it ended up working. Joe's right about that. It, it did. And it just – every move he makes has been great. It, it worked out for his team. And Randy Rosarena has came out of nowhere. Another Cardinal, too. You know, him and Luke Voy have slipped through the cracks in that, organiz- slipped through the cracks in that organization. And he destroyed the Yankees. <laughs> uh but yeah it's you know um this this race team they they got a real shot to win this thing they i didn't really i going into it i thought they'd be able to probably take care of them in six or seven just because of the depth they they had more depth than the astros but they they got a real shot to sweep them tonight which i'm shocked by oh absolutely absolutely i think i, th- I always thought they were i've even thought you know when they were beating the yankees during the regular season that they had a very good chance to win the world series and they and they got a great chance to win it they got a great chance to you know win this series and, and obviously they're, they're going to win this series and they have a great chance to beat you know the probably the braves in the world series so i think i think both those i think the rays have a great chance of doing that and then we'll get to the now we'll get to the nlcs and the braves lead the dodgers 2-0 led by max Fried, who had a great start in game one uh, Freddie Freeman's been playing great. Ozzy Albies has been hitting the ball. Acuna had the big, uh, big double in uh in game uh, in game one. Uh, Austin Riley had the big home run in the ninth inning, and then and then yesterday the Braves continued to hit. They scored eight runs. Obviously, the big story is Clayton Kershaw. I mean, the Dodgers tried coming back. Corey Seager had a big game. Max Muncy had a pretty good, I think, had a home run too. And then uh, Cody Bellinger had a had a good game too. So the Dodgers tried to get some momentum going into game going into game three. But the big story is Clayton Kershaw. And is Clayton Kershaw going to be able to pitch in the series? He's not going to be able to pitch tonight. And is he going to be able to pitch in the series? And if he's not, there's no way the Dodgers win this series. No, there's not. Um, I know right now they the Dodgers have him going tomorrow. They said he should be able to pitch tomorrow. We'll see. I they showed. Now, yesterday, he was, you know, kind of just throwing in the bullpen or just kind of loosening up. Um, but, yeah, and, I, and the thing was, too, Tony Gosling on Sunday, 
I think it was, you know, an air squad scrimmage or he was pitching in a sim game or something like that. And he threw four innings. So it kind of showed that. As you see, not- as you see Joe's comment counting on Clayton is a bad idea. And I have to admit, you know, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball for a while, but yeah, with, in- with injuries, he's, he's right. He's definitely right on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's been the back mostly too. It's, it's just been unfortunate. It's just, it, it, you know, it, and he's one of the best and they really needed a big start from him last night to kind of even this thing back up. And it's, you know, unfortunate because, you know, I know his postseason numbers haven't been great throughout his career, and you kind of hope to, because he is one of the best. You know, you do want him to get a World Series ring. You do want him to pitch well in the postseason. Uh, so they, they definitely may need definitely may need him tomorrow to either keep the series alive or, um, again, try to make it two two. So yeah, it'd be huge tomorrow because uh, how much more can you kind of rely on this bull? Because they don't trust Jansen right now either. You know. They don't – he's kind of a guy right now that they don't really have a role for him. So, uh, you kind of lose one guy there in the bullpen. But, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's tough to count on Kershaw lately with his back. Yeah, I mean, right now the, the Braves clearly have the better bullpen and they got and they got, then they got the, the ace with, with Max Fried. He'll, he'll probably pitch again in game five. So, I, I think right now the Braves are in great shape. Dodgers tonight is a must win. Their bats got to get going, especially Justin Turner and uh, Mookie Betts. Those guys got to get going, especially Betts. Betts is getting paid all this money. You got to perform in the postseason. This is why the Dodgers traded for you. This is why the Dodgers signed you. You got to perform in this series. Yeah, two hits so far in the two games. And we saw it in 18, obviously, being Yankee fans. Um, he killed us, and that's killed us. And he was great that whole postseason. Uh, and then with the Braves, the Freed and then – Ian Anderson is three first career playoff starts. Hasn't allowed a run in 22 innings. I know, I know you faced the Marlins, and the Reds had a pretty good lineup, but you know they're home run or nothing. But to shut down that Dodgers lineup, pretty yeah. Effective. And we just got another comment: Atlanta, Tampa Bay must be MLB must be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that, that could not have been a you know worse World Series when you had the option of the Yankees and the Dodgers. You even had the option of the Astros and the Dodgers. Now you got two really small markets with the Rays and, and, and the, and the Braves. The only positive you get out of it though, is, is maybe you can see Ronald Acuna play, but, Oh, you know, MLB, you know, the, the Rob Manford instituted this season, the 60 game season, and this is the world series he's getting. I'm telling you ratings are not going to be high for that world series. That's for sure. No, I saw Monday that the ALCS 1.8 million viewers, Wow. And they barely beat out WWE. I think the NLCS Monday had about three, I believe. Two or three. It was right around there. So they didn't do much better, even with the Dodgers. So I it's think a reg- it's a regional sport. Baseball is just yeah. a regional sport. It's just for a lot of people, if your team's not in it, you, unfortunately, at this at this point, they, people just don't care. It's sad. They just don't care if your team's not in it. Yeah, yeah. And it's tough for me watching the ALCS, not knowing the Yankees are in it. It's been fine watching the NLCS, but for, yeah, for me, it's tough to watch the ALCS because, yeah, you know. And you know the Yankees will be beating the Astros, too. Yeah, yeah, that's who, you know. It's a tough pill to swallow, and it's been tough to watch the series, but it it is definitely a regional sport, and it's sad that, you know, this was America's pastime, and it's really just gone by the wayside really lately, you know. Again, it's the pace of play and all that. You know, we could discuss all that another day. Discuss that for for weeks and days. We could discuss yeah. that maybe if the World Series rating when the World Series ratings are bad, we can discuss that. But yeah, it's just not. They're just not getting. They're not reaching the game out to a diverse audience. They're not reaching the game out to a younger audience, and that's why the ratings are what they are. 
Yeah, and it's tough too to start on the East Coast a eight thirty game for the ALCS. It's tough to stay up for when you're on the East Coast. I think that's kind of got part of it, but yeah, it's tough. You know, they need to figure it out. But yeah, it's it's bad for the sport right now. Yeah, it's it's a tough time for the sport, and we'll see what ends up happening through the rest of the LCS and the World Series. But to wrap up our baseball talk, we gotta we gotta talk about a legend who unfortunately passed away, and that's Joe Morgan. Died at the age of seventy-seven. And one of my great, my really in my childhood, part of turning on Sunday night baseball was him and John Miller. You know, I always remember watching those Yankee Red Sox games with those two guys. But what you know, Morgan's most remembered for was being a Cincinnati Red, being a ten-time All-Star, two-time MVP, nineteen seventy-five, nineteen seventy-six, and both those years were the Reds' world where they won the World Series. They beat the Red Sox in seventy-five, beat the Yankees in seventy-six. One of the best second basemen of all time. Rest in peace, George Morgan. We will be missed. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. You know, big part of that big red machine as you talked about in the seventies. Um, and I guess he was a huge admirer of Jackie Robinson, and he was actually also so kind of talk me back off of that. He was the first MLB broadcaster. Um, to, yeah, he was the first African American to be a MLB announcer. So. Um, because he, he was a phenomenal player, and yeah, you know, it, it baseball. This is what already the seventh, you know, um, Hall of Famer we've lost this year. It's been a tough, tough time. Uh, I kind of remember him because it's finally year 2010, so I kind of remember him 09, 2010, not great, but everything I heard, you know, um, he was a great announcer. Obviously, I saw a lot this year, kind of, um, during quarantine, watching like the big red machine, you know, him and Pete Rose. Um, P. Rose, Johnny Bench, yeah, yeah, and in his career too, as um, 850 more walks and strikeouts, which you will never see something like that ever again. I, I actually so impressive. Yeah, I actually met him once. I was in Cleveland, eight years old for a Indians Indians Orioles day, Orioles game. My dad was working at ESPN at the time. Got going, went up to the booth, met met John and Joe. So I actually met him once too. Really, that's really cool. That's that's special. You know, you need a Hall of Famer, like you know. Um, uh, it's, it's really special being able to meet a guy like that. Um, man, just another sad day for Major League Baseball losing another another legend this year. Absolutely, Bob Gibson, Whitey Ford, and now Joe Joe Morgan. It's very very sad. Very very sad time. Sad year, two thousand twenty, to, to lose some of these these legends of the game. You know, just just ambassadors and legends of legends of the game. Yep, it, it is. Yeah, just twenty twenty summed up. Exactly. So we got to, we got to move on to college football. And uh, before we get into the games, we got to get to the Florida Gators. You know, they've stopped football activities due to the coronavirus outbreak. You know, they were going to play the uh, play LSU this week. That game is definitely in question. And it's funny because Dan Mullen, after the LSU, after the uh, Texas A&M game, he wanted a full stadium of fans and then five of his players get, you know, get the virus. And now he's backtracking backtracking on those comments. Good thing he is backtracking on those comments. But yeah, this is a uh, this is a situation, a fluid situation, and I don't see them playing LSU this week. Yep, and you are correct. Uh, minutes ago, they just canceled the game. They, okay, it's, they're up to 19 players that have tested positive COVID. So yeah, um, Dan Mullen's comments is kind of what's wrong right now with everybody trying to make things go back to normal before they should, um, because the minimum is you could only have you have to have at least 53 um scholarship players they're getting close to that threshold but again already 19 guys it's wednesday who knows how many more could have it or already have it so it's the right call from the sec and they're starting to sec starting to start running some problems 
Yeah, I think so. I think it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be an issue because down south the rules have been a little bit have been definitely been loosened up. Not it's not like how it is up here where the rules have been tight and people haven't been getting the virus. It's been spreading down south. You saw obviously we saw with the Titans, their whole team got a ton of guys, and that team got it. Florida's getting it. I think they even canceled a game in the SEC. Yeah. Was it Vanderbilt, Missouri? They postponed that game too. So a lot of people, the virus is still spreading down there. So it's definitely gonna be a challenge as the season goes on. But we got to get to the games this week, and we're going to quickly go through all of them outside of the big one. We're going to start with uh, Pitt and Miami. And I think in this game, I think Derek, Derek King rebounds, and the uh, Canes win this one by two scores. Yeah, I got Miami win this one close, 20-20. I mean, Pittsburgh just hasn't been able to close out games the last few weeks. Um, their defense still is one of the tops in the country. They're only allowing 232 yards a game. Um, they already have 19 sacks. They're going to be able to get some pressure on King. I think – He's still going to struggle. He'll make enough plays to get the win. But, again, that last week they played well for a half. They kept it close. But um, Clemson was just obviously way too much for him. They're not ready for that test. But um, Miami should get the win at home. Got an SEC matchup in Columbia as Auburn faces South Carolina. And I think this is a really close competitive game, you know, South Carolina's one and two, but they faced they lost to two good teams, Florida and Tennessee. But I think in a close one, I'm taking Bo Nix and the Tigers over the Gamecocks. I get South Carolina pulling the upset. I do not like the way Auburn's been playing um, the last few weeks. They should have lost Arkansas last week. Um, after, you know, obviously, you saw Georgia just manhandled them and made them look like a group of five or FCS school up front. Um, that was awful. I, I've seen, and this is kind of a big game, I think. You know, you know, Will Muchamps on kind of the hot seat here. Um, obviously, everybody talks Gus Malzahn's on the hot seat. I don't really – believe that one as much but for South Carolina I they play tough if they're I, I think Auburn's offense hasn't been great Auburn for their offense to be good they have to establish the running game if South Carolina can slow that down they'll be able to win this game they really you know they played well against Tennessee but they a couple of turnovers costed them um they get off the field on third down they've been really good at that so far I think they're only allowing opponents 20 percent of the time um, Shai Smith is their big target, 22 catches already on the year. Second on the team already only has nine. So that's their big play guy. And again, if this could, Washington could get this win, this would be huge for him to hopefully, you know, keep his job. Got another SEC matchup in Starksville as uh Texas A&M with Kellamon faces uh, Mississippi State with, uh, with KJ Costello and who knows this game is going to be played because Texas A&M played Florida last week. And you don't know what I mean, if their players, any of their players came down with the virus. So we don't even know if the games can be played, but I think at the end of the day, Kellamon has been playing better than KJ Costello. And I got a uh, and m winning by at least two scores. Yeah. I think technically A&M is going to be able to get this one 30 to 20. Um, you know, hopefully they're able to play this one. Hopefully, you know, everybody on Texas A&M is okay. Um, KJ Costello, Maybe bench this week. Um, um, Mike Leach has not announced a starter yet. Um, he said going to be in practice week. But this has been this is Vince's Mike Leach show. They get the big win over LSU, which doesn't look that big anymore. And then now, two kind of bad performances. It's that's kind of what you get out of Mike Leach. That's what kind of what happened in Washington State. It's what happened at Texas Tech. Um, and the way to beat the air raid is to drop eight back in zone coverage. And if you have three guys that could at least get some pressure, it doesn't have to sack them every time, but force the ball out of, you know, out of the quarterback's hands, you're going to be able to, um, you're going to be able to slow that offense down. And I think Tyson Adams is going to be able to do that. 
Um, KJ Castell's QBR last week was a 22. They were 0 for 3 in the red zone. Um, they, they're two quarterbacks through six interceptions. Texas a and will be able to take care of business. And what a win last week for Jimbo Fisher. That, you know, quieted the, you know, quieted everybody that kind of had him, you know, on the hot, you know, questioning his job and whether he could turn Texas A&M around. Got an ACC matchup in Tallahassee as the Tar Heels travel down to Tallahassee to face the uh, Seminoles. And I think Florida State played a little bit better last week. The quarterback change helped, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think uh, Sam Howell played well for, for for North Carolina. And I got the I, I do have the Tar Heels winning it by two scores. Yeah, I got Tar Heels winning this one big, 45 to 21. And I was watching a little bit that North game last week, but I even watched some of the Jacksonville State game. And their guys, Florida State, they lack speed, which is crazy. They lack speed on the, both sides of the ball. There's guys in Jacksonville State that had as much speed or even faster than a couple of the Florida State guys, which kind of shows you how bad it's gotten down there. Um, and I think North Carolina had to be able to explore that. Jordan Travis ran the ball 19 times last week. Their line's not great. He's kind of running all over the place. They're going to get him killed. They got torched 353 yards in the air on the ground. Um, North Carolina's got a great running back duo. I think they'll be able to take care of business. I think they win this one 45 to 21. We got the big game this week in Tallahassee as number three Georgia faces number two Alabama. I'm really excited for this one. I think it's going to be a great game. Here's the thing about uh, Georgia they do a great job stopping the run. They're, they're doing out, they're probably better than anybody in the, in the league. And uh, I think I think they're going to be able to contain Najee Harris in this game. I think the issue, though, is I think Mac Jones is going to be able to throw the ball to some of those receivers and make some plays with Jalen Waddell and uh, with Devontae Smith. I think they're going to make some plays in this game. I think this is the game, though, that I think this is the game that Stenson Bennett cannot manage the way he did in the Tennessee game and the way he did in the Auburn game. He can't manage this game. He's got to go out and win the game. And I think that's going to be the difference in this game. And that's why I got Alabama beating Georgia again 24-17. I got Bama 35 to 31. I think, wow. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be some points. I think Georgia will be able to score some points. I don't know if you saw Alabama's defense last week. They were hard. They were hard. I was taking you during the game. They were yeah. they were terrible last week. That, that shocks me with all the talent on that defense, with Moses, with Sertan, with all the talent they have in that defense. I had argue. I look at the, like the draft prospects. They got more talent than Georgia has, but Georgia's defense has looked much better. They have. And I think part of the reason – I don't know – I just think – I don't know if it's just been the lack of kind of the offseason, all the wackiness and kind of all the new pieces that Bama puts in year in, year out. But some of it was kind of mental. There was guys and play-action pass in the secondary. They're looking in the backfield, and Ole Miss was taken off. If Georgia can get the play-action going, which they love to do that, they're going to need Bennett to do that, they're going to have some success through the air. Um, I, I you, like, you, you, like, you like these – you like George Pickens against this uh, Alabama secondary? If, if Alabama plays the way they did last week, I do. Um, I, I really do. Because if how if the speed that he's got, I think he could make some big plays. If, if Bennett can get on the ball, and he could have some open open receives at times. There's a lot of mixed tackles as well from the Bama D. I've never been so shocked to watch a Nick Saban defense before and just like they just look way out of whack. They don't like the tempo either. It's usually when teams get a tempo and they get something going, that's when they're, you know, when you get, I don't think, because at times I don't think he can kind of set up some blitzes or try to get pressure on them. You know, 
I, I think George will be able to put some points on them. I think Bama is going to be able to. George, this is the best offense now. Bama against the best defense in the country so far in Georgia. I think, um, you know, I, Mac Jones. This is going to be the toughest test, obviously, for Georgia. But the thing is, Mac Jones, this is definitely his toughest test, too, against this defense. Mac Jones has not been considered – he's not Tua out here, okay? This is going to be the toughest test, too, against this defense. I know football is an offensive sport, but I do think when the quarterback's not great against a defense like this, it definitely can make a difference. It definitely can. And – but I I kind of – you know, and it is going to be tough, tough test. I have like what I've seen from Mac Jones for the most part so far. I think he's played really, really well. But yeah, this is going to be a tough test. This is going to be a huge, huge, you know, kind of what do we get, you know, from, you know, Mac Jones. It's going to be a huge kind of um, mark on him to see where he's at right now. And, you know, if he can, you know, because everybody's kind of doubting this guy. You know, maybe, you know, probably not the guy, you know, he's not that great. But we've, you know, we've seen it at times. I felt, you know, I know they lost last year to Auburn, but they put up, I think, like 45 points on them. Or, you know, they can put up some points. I, and with the weapons they have, too, all he has to do is just throw it in the vicinity of Devontae Smith and, and Jalen Waddle. That's all he's got to do, just throw it in the vicinity as long as there's no Georgia guys around, you know. But, you know, just, just don't make the plays for you. You just got to give him the ball. And I think he'll be able to do that enough. And the thing is, too, every time Kirby Smart plays out, you know, plays Nick Saban, he tries to outdo something. He tries to do something crazy, and it just leads to a disaster. Uh, and, and, again, I could see him trying to do the same thing, you know, trying to fake a punt on, like, fourth and two. And it just changes the whole game. I could definitely see that happening from him. And the last thing I'll say about uh, is Georgia has only allowed two trips to the red zone so far this year, and none of them have been touchdowns. So Alabama can make the big plays. That's what you have to do against Georgia's D. You cannot – you know, you can maybe have one or two drives you can drive down the field on these guys, but that's going to be it. You got to beat them with big plays, and I think Alabama has the weapons to do that. And also with Najee Harris, this is a different back too. This guy, um, this guy will run you over. He will make two or three guys pack. Make there's going to be two or three guys that are have to tackle this guy, wrap him up, bring him down, um, and they use him too in the passing game. He was fun to watch, and I think Alabama's got a little bit too much weapons. Um, for the Georgia Bulldogs, especially being at Tuscaloosa on a Saturday night. Yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens there and see who wins that game. But we got to wrap up the show talking about Dustin Johnson, the best golfer of 2020. Unfortunately, came down with COVID-19, and he's out of the CJ Cup in Las Vegas. And, yeah, and, and for him, I just hope he's doing well, and, and I hope he recovers from this. I hope he recovers from this, that he could be in the Masters. That, that's, that's, that's what I hope for him, and I, and I just hope he, I just hope he's doing well because it would be a shame to see the best golfer of 2020 not be in the Masters. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely hope that you know he gets healthy from this, battles us, and gets back on the courts as you know soon as possible. Yeah, because um, obviously he's been playing so well this year, top golfer this year. Definitely want to see him at the Masters, which would make the event so much more fun to watch. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R and J for Justin D'Onofrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking Week Eight of the college football season and Week Seven of the NFL season and the World Series. Have a great weekend, everybody.